In Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to review just a bit from last week. Uh, we're teaching on our destiny and understanding that each of us have a destiny. You as an individual have a destiny. Uh, I believe that your family has a destiny. I believe that you uh, are a part of a local church that has a destiny. And so not only do you as an individual have, to have a destiny, we as a church have a divine destiny, and we want to fulfill that together. And uh, it's important that each person find their place in the kingdom of God and in the will of God and the plan of God in order to fit into the whole of God's plan in a local church. And of course, we fit into the plan of God in the whole body of Christ and the kingdom of God. So we're thankful to be a part of God's purpose in the earth. Amen. And so understanding that you have a destiny is key to you fulfilling it. And so we are looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And in verse uh, 10 it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Then the Amplified Bible says, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Other translations say handiwork as well. A number of translations render it that way. Uh, his handiwork, his workmanship. One translation says we are God's masterpiece. Another says we are God's work of art. And so God has chosen us and he has created us with a purpose. And it says we are his workmanship, uh, recreated in Christ or born anew. It says born anew in the Amplified. That we may do those good uh, works which God predestined or planned beforehand. So we would do the good works that God has predestined. So God created you with a purpose, or he created you with a destiny. And we gave you a definition of the word destiny out of Webster. And destiny, according to Webster, is a predetermined course of events often held to be an irresistible power or agency. And we believe in our lives God is that irresistible power or agency that enables us to fulfill Every part of his plan for our life. And you uh, have a destiny. God has predestined or he has a plan beforehand, Amplified Bible says. He has predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. So God has something prepared ahead of time. It's good to know when you show up, God's already uh, made things ready for you. I mean, you show up in the will of God, and God has already prepared the way for you and prepared some things for you. He's prepared it ahead of time. It says that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So God intends for you to walk in the plan of God. He intends for you to enjoy uh, his best in life, and in order for us to do that, then we first of all have to uh, determine that we have a destiny, that God's uh, destiny is in our hearts, and he wants us to know what that destiny is. So the second word that we are looking at is direction. In other words, the Holy Spirit will direct us into our destiny, or he will direct us into the plan of God that he has for our lives. The steps of a good man are 
ordered by the Lord. So God directs your steps or he orders your steps and he orders them according to his plan. So then if God has a plan, then he wants us to know what that plan is. This past Wednesday night, we studied uh, out of the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. It is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. Well, if Paul could pray for the church at Colossae, this prayer, we could pray for the church in Las Vegas, right? We could pray for the church in Las Vegas, or we could pray for this local church in Las Vegas. And so you could pray the same prayers, and we believe according to the Scripture that these prayers are inspired by the Holy Spirit, given by inspiration of God. According to the Scripture, it is inspired by God. So then, these prayers that the apostle prayed, there are a number of these prayers in the New Testament. One of them is found in Colossians chapter 1, that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, that were written or penned in Scripture, and then we can uh, utilize these prayers and apply them in our own lives. And so, I would encourage you to take these prayers, and one of them being the Colossians prayer. I'm not going to go through the whole thing that I did on Wednesday night, but I'll just give you a refresher for those that were here and those that were not here. Uh, Basically, it says he's praying that you would be filled, in verse 9, filled with the knowledge of his will. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. So there must be a will in order for you to be filled with the knowledge of that will. In other words, there must be a plan of God in order for you to be filled with the knowledge of the plan that God has for your life. So then, there is a plan, there is a destiny, destiny for you, uh, but God wants you to know what that destiny is. In other words, he wants to direct you. So... Uh, He wants you to be filled with the knowledge of His will, of His will. Now, we basically know what our will is, right? We know what we want, generally speaking. And uh, so, now God wants us to know what He wants or what His design is or what His plan is for our life, that we would be filled with the knowledge of His will, what? In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. All right, so then, wisdom, according to W.E. Vines, is insight into the true nature of things. Uh, Or, in other words, you're able to see what God sees. Or you're able to see the way God sees. You know, it's not just what you see, it's how you see it. And so you can see what God sees regarding your life, and you can see how He sees your life or your future. And so he says that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, insight, ability to perceive or see the way God sees or see what God sees. So then he says in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then the spiritual understanding has to do more with the practical application. Because sometimes we may have knowledge, but we don't know how to apply it. Or we may have knowledge of God's will, but we don't know how to apply the knowledge of His will that we may have. So there is the, not only does God supply the knowledge of His will or the spiritual insight, the ability to perceive what His will is and the plan of God for our life, but also how to apply it practically to our lives. 
And so if we, in some cases, many times people, they have prayed, they've sought God, they've endeavored to know, they've asked God for his will or direction concerning his will. But once they know, they really don't know what to do with it. All right, how do I fulfill this? How do I, how do I carry it out? Well, the Holy Spirit is faithful to give you both. In other words, he will give you the knowledge of his will and all wisdom, spiritual insight, the ability to perceive and see what God sees and the way he sees, but also he'll give you the practical application, the steps to take, the things that you need to do to actually carry it out. So what if we do know? If we don't go? Or what if we do know? If we don't act or if we don't do. So we're not going to see the results unless we decide to do what God has instructed us to do, right? And then take the steps necessary to actually fulfill it or to carry it out and get the end result, and that is fruit. So the next verse, the next verse in in that uh, passage in Colossians is that, You would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord. That you would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now what pleases God or what pleases the Father is that you do his will. That you follow his plan. That you follow his purpose and fulfill the destiny that he has designed for your life. So that we would be uh, pleasing to God And that we would walk worthy of him and all pleasing, being what? Fruitful in every good work. Now that is pleasing to the Father that you bear fruit. I mean, the goal, if you study uh, in John chapter 15, the goal of the Christian life, according to John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he that abides in me and I in you, the same brings forth what? Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So the goal in that passage, if you study the whole passage there, uh, regarding that is that you bear fruit. So the end result is fruitfulness. So in your life, you want to be productive or you want to be fruitful. And so as a Christian, you want to produce fruit. Uh, You want to produce the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, and peace. I mean, it's the will of God could be as simple as just bearing the fruit of, of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace, and patience, and goodness, and kindness, and meekness, and temperance, and faith. Nine fruit of the Spirit that are listed in Galatians chapter 5. Well, that is, that is actually the will of God. So you would be fulfilling the will of God if you're producing that kind of fruit. But there's other kind of fruit. The fruit of your good works. That you would be fruitful in every good work. In other words, the labors that you involve yourself in, the things that you do, uh, your behavior, your conduct, uh, your attitude with which you do it. And also, and of course, the fruit of the Spirit has a lot to do with the attitude with which you do your works, right? So every good work, all the thing that you do, and sometimes, you know, we label things that are spiritual. You know, we say, uh, well, you know, if you pray, uh, then that's spiritual, But you go to work, and that's natural. You know, going to work is a spiritual act because it's it's an act of obedience. The Bible commands us, work with your hands that you may have to give to him that needs. 
All right, so it's, it commands us to labor, and uh, labor uh, causes increase according to the Scripture. So God teaches us to labor and work with our hands. So in one sense, you're doing a spiritual act when you go to work. The way you do it uh, is a spiritual act, right? You work not as unto man, but unto God. So your attitude with which you work and uh, the diligence. He said that we are to be diligent in business, in our business. And, and we're to work diligently and we're to be faithful. So, you know, applying these principles to natural life. In other words, everything we think is spiritual is not so spiritual. Because I've seen people, they pray, but they don't work. Amen. <clears throat> well, then you see people that work and they don't pray. Well, we need to get uh, things in line. And certainly some people are more motivated in one area than they are in other areas. And that's part of their gifting and part of their calling. And yet, there are some practical things sometimes that we think are not so spiritual, but they may be more spiritual in the mind of God, in the light of God's Word, than we uh, have admitted or even acknowledged. And so the Holy Spirit wants us to know that the things that we do in life, we want to see that as part of our obedience to God. Everything that we do, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Y'all want me to slow this down? Talk about this for a while? You know, love your wife. Wives, reverence your husband. Respect your husband. You know, usually you get yes from the men on that one and yes from the women on husbands, love your wives. You know, so, but we need to say amen to those things that apply to us, right? And so whatever applies to you, that's the thing you're to do. And so if you will just do the simple things of the Bible that the God's Word instructs you to do and see it as a spiritual act of obedience to God because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. I'm working as unto the Lord. And we could go in a lot of different areas, but sometimes we relegate some things to the natural and some things to the spiritual when really God wants your spiritual life to affect every part of your life. And everything that you do, do it in obedience to Jesus, in obedience to God's Word and in the light of God's Word. And then, of course, God can direct you concerning your job. In other words... He could correct you if you needed correcting about your attitude. I know y'all are excited about this message. I mean, he could correct you about your attitude. He could, he could uh, talk to you about your uh, diligence or your lack thereof on your job. He could talk to you about the way you spend your time. The scripture says, redeem the time. He said, because the days are evil. So he could talk to you. You know, you could be a testimony on your job because you're diligent in your work. You have a good work ethic. You could be a testimony on your job. You know, if you were lazy and you didn't do your job, you didn't pull your weight on the job, and then other people are looking at you, and then you want to witness to them, they don't want to hear about, they don't want to hear about your Jesus. They want you to get busy and do your job. 
Because when you don't do yours, they're doing your work and theirs too. They're pulling your load and their load. You know, so they don't they want to hear about the Jesus that actually works. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> oh, come on. Jesus was not some lazy person. No, Jesus worked. And when he and when he left the carpentry and went out on the field of ministry, he was a hard worker. I mean, he'd teach and do miracles and heal the sick. And then he would go pray while they slept. Get up and go at it again the next day. So Jesus was diligent. You know, people say, I'm following Jesus. Well, then you're going to have to be diligent in your business. You're going to have to be diligent on the job. Oh, praise the Lord. All right, am, am I helping somebody? All right, so then uh, when it comes to the will of God, if you're faithful, if you're diligent with what God has given you and put in your hand, he said faithful over little, he said, I'll make you ruler over much. So when you're faithful to do what you do know, the Holy Spirit will show you what you don't know. I said, if you're faithful to do what you do know, the Holy Spirit will show you what you don't know, and the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. And so the Holy Spirit could give you wisdom on your job to make the job easier, more productive, more efficient, more effective, right? And what happens then? Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. You were faithful. You were diligent. You were laboring. You were faithful to do what you knew to do. And the Holy Spirit gave you wisdom and insight, and you were more productive. So uh, somebody's going to give you some promotion, right? They're promoting you, but really the Lord's promoting you because you're faithful and you're following his word and you're diligent with what God has put in your hand, right? So then he said, you feel with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding and you're fruitful in every good work. Good work. So good work could also be more what we would uh, term as spiritual, you know, witness to your neighbor or witness to your coworker, or, or, or pray and spend time praying. That could be what we call generally spiritual. That could be part of it and certainly is part of it. So we want to do the spiritual things that we have generally termed spiritual, but we want to do the natural things that God wants to thread with all of your spiritual understanding and knowledge and let your whole life be representative of Jesus. And speaks volumes. I said speaks volumes. I mean, when I was in Bible college, you know, I actually had some guys on the job. I was worked in construction, did carpentry work, and hung doors and built cabinets and did finished carpentry work. And so, uh, you know, I was working and I was... You know, I'd go to school in the morning, I'd work in the afternoon, and if they give me some extra hours, I'd work a little longer than the other guys. But, you know, one of the comments to me, and actually from the owner of the company, was because he had hired, he was a Christian, and he had hired some other Rama uh, Bible college students, other than myself, and he commented to me and talked to me, and he said uh, that my work ethic had testified to the other guys on the job because some of the guys that he had hired were not so diligent. All right. And so now my life, without even saying a word about Jesus, 
is testifying about Jesus because they know I'm a Bible college student. They know that I'm studying the Word of God and studying for the ministry, and here they are being testified to just by my work ethic. So much so, it's gone back up the ladder to the owner of the company. And he's telling me that your work ethic is talking to these guys. So in your life, you're testifying more about Jesus than just with your words and four scriptures. I said, in your life, you're testifying more about Jesus than just with your scriptures that you can quote or, uh, you know, it's really about living, living your life, living your life as a testimony of Jesus Christ, and you're fulfilling the will of God. So the will of God for my life is, in most cases, different from your life. So your job, your business could be a testimony of Jesus and the way you conduct business. In other words, if you tell somebody you'll be there, you show up. You don't lie to people. You deal with business in a way that is integrous, right? You pay your bills. I said you pay your bills. You know, when we were looking for a space, when we first came to Las Vegas, we were looking for a space to, uh, to have services. And so there were mo- many of those places would not lease to us because they had leased to churches, and the churches didn't pay their bills. And so, therefore, they didn't want to lease to another church. But thankfully, there was a church that had been in a a space before us, and they obviously had paid their bills, and they had moved on, and uh, were continuing in in the ministry of Jesus, and the man just let us move right in there, and it worked out for us for good. Right? Why? And we were there in that uh, space and other spaces in that shopping uh, uh, facility uh, for about eight and a half, nine years. And we had a good relationship with him. And so it's really about the way you do business as well as your business itself. And you do it with quality. In other words, people want you to do business with them because they know you do good work. And when they see that, then they want to hire you. And then they also want want to do what? They want to recommend you. Because they've done business, been a good business relationship, and then they can go to another, uh, another person and say, yeah, yeah, I recommend them. I highly recommend them. They're good. Uh, they'll do the job. They'll get it done. They'll, they'll do it on time. They'll do it uh, the way it ought to be done. They don't just rush it just to get it done and not uh, have a quality job. And the finish is done, right? Right? Are, are y'all with me? So the way you do business could be an expression of the will of God in your life. Fill with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, being fruitful in every good work. Hallelujah. All right, now we're going to Ephesians chapter 1, which is another prayer of the Apostle Paul. It's a prayer that he prayed for the church at Ephesus in this case. And so... When you're praying these prayers, you can personalize them for yourself. In other words, you can put yourself in there. Now, people like to take selfies. 
So you need to see yourself in the Word. You know, see yourself in the Scripture. All right, so what is the prayer here in Ephesians chapter 1? We'll begin with verse uh, 16. Verse 16 says, Cease not, now since he had heard of their faith in Jesus and their love unto all the saints, according to verse 15, he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So here's Paul. He's praying for the church at Ephesus, so he's making mention of them in his prayers. Now, if you study the epistles or what we would call the epistles or the letters written to the church in the New Testament, when you study the epistles, you'll find out that Paul not only uh, prayed for churches as a whole, but he prayed for individuals. And so... You can put an individual's name. It could be your husband, you could be your wife, or you could be your children, or you could be uh, someone in the church you're in relationship or fellowship with, and you're praying for them, and you're putting their, their name in these prayers. So I would encourage you to pray. Colossians chapter 1, nine verse, verses 9 through 11. I would encourage you to pray. Ephesians chapter 1. I've been praying them since I was a teenager. Ephesians chapter 1. Then I added Ephesians chapter 3, and then later Colossians, and then also Philippians and Thessalonians, and different prayers in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul prayed that would be appropriate prayers for us to pray. Because a lot of times people, they want to know how to pray. Remember the disciples, they said, Lord, teach us to pray, didn't they? They wanted to know how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray, talking to Jesus. What did Jesus, you know, what we term the Lord's Prayer, and and really it was Jesus teaching them how to pray, right? So he taught them how to pray. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy what? Will be done. So he also includes in this prayer, your will be done. Well, in order for God's will to be done in and through your life effectively, you got to know what that will is. You got to know or have knowledge of or understanding of what the will of God is. So, Lord, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus himself, we know, was a great example concerning the will of God, doing the will of the Father. He came not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. Throughout his life and ministry, he came to do the will of God, the Father that sent him. At the end, uh, close to the end of his life, when he was about to go to the cross, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he said that three times. He said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not what I will, but your will, Father God, be done. And he yielded his will to the Father. So Christianity, a lot of Christianity is this, yielding your will to the Father's will. Yielding your will to the will of God. And so, in this case, Paul is praying for the church. I encourage you to pray this prayer for yourself, for others as well. So then, I would encourage you to pray the prayers for, my, for me as your pastor. So obviously, I need these things just like you need them. All right, so he says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So his attitude of gratitude, his thankfulness, Concerning the church, he said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
So he's praying that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom, again, is the ability to perceive God's will. Ability to see what God sees. Ability to see the way God sees. Have his perspective. Or see from his point of view. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's not just knowing his will, but understanding what his perspective is. Knowing the will of God, knowing his point of view, seeing his perspective. And then he says that you would be uh, have this wisdom, spirit of wisdom, and what? Revelation. Revelation is something you see that you could not see. In other words, you see, but he's talking about spiritual revelation. He's talking about spiritual wisdom or insight. It is something that happens in your spirit or the eyes of your heart. The next verse says the eyes of your understanding. Many translations say the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your inner part, your inner man. You're just like your natural uh, body has eyes. Your spiritual person has eyes. You have eyes spiritually. You have ears spiritually. So you can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and you can see what the Holy Spirit is showing. You know, God wants to show you things. He wants to show you your future. He wants, remember, when we were teaching on the Holy Spirit, He will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will show you things that are in your future. He knows what the uh, plan of God is. If there's anybody that knows the will of God for your life, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. And the Holy Spirit is your guide. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you into the will and the plan and the purpose of God for your life. So Holy Spirit is there on the inside of you. He lives there to guide you and to direct you and help you to know what the will of God is. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then he goes on to say in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your understanding, and as I said in the other translations, it says the eyes of your heart. And I'll just give it to you in the Barclay translation. It says, Uh, I pray that your inner vision may be flooded with light to enable you to see. I pray that your inner vision would be flooded with light, that you may be able to see. Now, most of us have what we would call a floodlight on the outside of our house. And the reason is that floodlight will light up a larger area and give you a, a greater light and gives you greater dimensions, enables you to see further than you could see. And then also to see clearer than you could see. Thank you, Jesus. And in our military, they have what they call night vision. In other words, they can see in the night. They are able to see things that other people can't see. The Holy Spirit wants to give you the ability to see in the darkest place what other people can't see. In other words, when it's the most difficult, difficult point in your life, you can still receive direction. You know which way to go, what to do. You know how to do it. And the Holy Spirit is helping you navigate your life and do the right thing or make the right choices and decisions and get the job done. Amen? To accomplish the will of God. So... God floods your heart, though, with light. 
He floods your heart with light so that you're able to see the will of God. You're able to see clearly what to do and which path to take and which decisions to make. So, Holy Spirit lets you know that you have a destiny. Secondly, He directs you concerning the plan of God to fulfill that destiny. But once you see the plan of God and you see what the will of God is, then you have to decide to do. That's why Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, he had to make a decision. Sometimes it's an agony decision. In other words, you have to choose based on the will of God that is beyond your own will. That is in contrast, in some cases, to your own will. In other words, it's not your will to do that. It's not your wants. It's not your desire. But you do desire to do His will. So therefore, you're willing to drop your will or let go of your way or your will in that area of your life and say yes to the will of God and say, Father, not my will, but Thy will be done. And so Holy Spirit fills you with the knowledge of His will. Or in this case, the eyes of your heart are flooded with light. Flooded with light so that you can see further. Actually, the scripture says that you're able to see afar off. And there are people that can't see very far down the road. And their decisions, if you consider the decisions that they make, they're not seeing very far down the road. They're seeing the pleasure of the moment. And their, de- their decisions, their choices are just based on the pleasure of the moment. They're not even considering the outcome or the results and, and, and what's going to happen as a result of their choice. Right? So the Holy Spirit helps you to see further than right now. Further than your flesh. Further than your own will. Further than your own desires. Further down the road. What if, if you follow this plan, if you follow the plan of God for your life, the Holy Spirit is going to reward you. God the Father is going to reward you. You're going to have the greatest reward and the greatest joy because you followed Jesus, followed the will of God with your life, and the Holy Spirit enabled you to see further than you could see. Naturally. So natural perception can be deceiving. You ever look in, you look in your car mirror and they, it says the objects are closer. <laughs> They're closer than they look like. In other words, if you just go by natural perception, you could have an accident. And there's a lot of people in our world that go by natural reasoning, natural perception, and many times public opinion. And they make their choices based upon other people's opinion of them. And what popular, what's popular? It's not just teenagers that make decisions based on what's popular. People do it in their life. And they make their choices. And, and when they do, they're just opening themselves up for an accident. When really the Holy Spirit wanted them to see just how close the accident is. You make that choice, and it's going to be a consequence that you don't want to have to deal with. But if you make your choice based on vision, seeing further down the road, and the choices that you make, what's going to happen as a result, the Holy Spirit can help you to know the whole picture. I said the Holy Spirit can help you to know the whole picture. He can help you to see the end result 
of your choices and your decisions. So you know the will of God and you obey the will of God. So the Amplified says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. And then Lovett's translation says, specifically, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may behold the intimate details of his plan. So that you may see or behold the intimate details of God's plan. So the Holy Spirit gives you a larger picture, but he also can give you the small steps that you have to take. I mean, if you consider your life, God is the architect of your life, or God is the master planner of your life, and so he not only sees the large picture, the end result, he also sees all the details. You know, what, if you have a set of plans, you have the elevations, you see, you, you see what this building is going to look like from the side, from the front, from the back, but then you have a lot of the structural, and then you have what they call details. In other words, if you don't follow the details, you might have a picture, but if you don't follow the details, you might end up with some defects. But God, when he's the master planner and the master builder, and he's uh, directing your life, he is overseeing and supervising your life and directing you, then you know what the end result is going to be. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Then The end result is fruitfulness, productivity. You're going to succeed in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind, in your emotions, in your body, in your life, in your family, in your home. You're going to succeed on your job, in your business, in every aspect of life. Why? Because God is directing and ordering your steps. And he puts you in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing in the right way with the right attitude. And you're going to get the right results. Why? Because Holy Spirit is at work in you and helping you to navigate through your life. And you're making the right choices and the right decisions. And you're getting the right results. Why? Holy Spirit is working with you. So that you would know, he said, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. You would know the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. So there is a call on your life. There is a plan for your life. And God wants you to know what is the hope of His calling. He wants you to know what the call of God is for your life. And the call of God on my life and your life is very different in most cases. So don't think you have to compare yourself with someone else. Because we think, well, they're the spiritual person, and so they're called to do that, but I'm all natural. No, no. Everything about your life needs to be threaded with spiritual truth and reality, and the choices and the decisions that you make, you are going to be an influence. Why? Because you carry Jesus to the job. You carry Jesus to your business. You carry Jesus to the house. You carry Jesus to your marriage. You carry Jesus to your family, to your kids. You 
you carry Jesus in every influence of your life. Everywhere you go, Jesus is the real deal. And people want to follow your Jesus because your Jesus is real. Your Jesus affects your life. Your Jesus affects your home. Your Jesus affects your, your, your marriage. Your Jesus affects your job. Your vi- Jesus affects your business. It affects everything about your life. And people realize Jesus is real. And the word of God is worth following. And the plan of God is worthy of giving their life to. The plan of God and the fulfillment of God's will for your life, your destiny, and your choices, your decisions are going to determine whether or not you fulfill your destiny. But if you'll follow his direction, you make the right decisions, you will direct your life accordingly, and you will get the results that you're looking for, and you will see fruitfulness in your life.